Hey everybody, welcome to another episode. I don't know. I don't know why. Let's start again. Hey everybody, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. I am excited because my friend Megan is here and she always inspires me. So this is what we're doing different. This is Love on Designers Month. So we are, or Love on Creatives, but it traditionally was called Love on Designers. So we're just uh, going to keep it there. Um, but we are um, talking about things that are inspiring to us. And I asked Megan always has blown me out of the water of things that she's, she's done. And she's been on the show before. She's talked about some of these other things that she's um, has inspired me. And I was like, okay, well this month, um, one of our other friends back when Mina was on, I can't remember when, but last year sometime Mina was on and she, in her presentation, she talked about how her people who have inspired her or people who have guided her things, people that she's really looked up to um, that maybe she didn't know because they were gone already or she just didn't know them, but they have inspired and um, infected is not the right word. Um, influenced better than infected, infected her work, not influenced her work. And so I was like, you know what? We should do a whole series that talks about this. And I think that this is really interesting and neat. So if you are new uh, or you're over in the chat and I, you can always make your, your two say to everybody instead of to host and panelists, then everybody can see and y'all can all have a conversation together. Um, but you can change your two in the chat to everyone and then tell us where you're coming in from. And I'm glad to have you. You can always join us live. If you're on YouTube watching or you're listening, you can always come live. It's free. All you have to do is get on the list. You can go to creativesignite.com slash sign up and you can get there. So Megan D is on the show today. Megan, give them a little bit of your background, um, who you are, where you are and what you do. So I'm currently the chair of graphic design and an associate professor at Virginia Tech. And I have been here for what feels like forever. So I've been here since 2011. And my first three years, I started off running a student run faculty led design agency then transitioned into a more normal faculty role after that. And that's where I've been since. And, uh, but I feel like the presentation, I'm kind of going to share my life story of places I've lived and people that have inspired me and things. So I don't know how much more background you'd need, but no, that, that's uh, good. Yeah. Did you, did you, um, you did work as a designer first, which I'm sure maybe we'll get into. So working as a designer, you've continued to work. You are always, yeah. to me, you do like to do things with your hands. You also like yeah. to push technology and see, hey, can I cut this out of the laser? Or can I do this? Can I send this as a Christmas card? Or um, all these other things that you're doing, you've done um, at Virginia Tech, you have access to um, apply to have uh, shows in this round or the cube. It's not really round, but it is kind of like you can have immersive things above you and you've done things there. So you've really pushed um, technology. Do you think you were really because you are so hand, you do like things with your hands to make things with your hands. Do you think that um, the tech stuff and your hand stuff, like if you do too much tech stuff, do you get like mm. sad with your hands and you have to get back busy? Or do you have a really good balance of doing both? Because you really have amazing ability to be able to do both. Thanks. 
I, I actually say a lot of the tech stuff, I feel like I end up doing very making based things with it, whether that's illustration or sort of typography and motion graphics. So even if something's on the computer, it often still feels makey, although my shoulder and neck hurts a lot more when I do things on the computer. Uh, but I'd say I do kind of need to switch brains from I've done a lot more writing, probably because I'm in academia land than I used to. And uh, if I'm not spending some of my research time with the making, I do really miss it. Um, and so whether that's a client project or a personal project, like it's something I find myself really compelled to come back to. I think that even with illustration, you were talking about doing a book for your daughter. And um, did you, was that digital or was it by hand first? How did it start? So the, I just finished a little, what I was telling Diane before we came on the air was I've been playing around with uh, making a board book for my daughter. One of those hard books. Um, we got the idea in The Hungry Caterpillar. There's this scene at the end where the hungry caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Spoiler alert. Uh, the butterfly is not quite in the middle of it, but like kind of askew. But when we get to it, we sort of flap it. So the wings flap. So my idea was to make a whole book that was things with wings where you could flap the middle of it. So she could kind of play with the book as you read through. Oh, that's so cool. I did all the things. Uh, all the illustrations for that were done using Procreate on the iPad. So, uh, but part of that is because I was really wanting it to be symmetrical and you can do cheatery yes, thing where it just yes. auto does it. Yes, which <laughs> makes, but again, that's using technology to your advantage so that you can spend more time with your daughter instead of being behind the computer <laughs> or behind the uh, iPad. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask you some questions as you, so I probably will um, interrupt you a lot, but if you want to go ahead and start, we're going to- okay plop in and and I'm making all these bad words choices today and I think I might have to take my shirt off I mean my jacket off <laughs> not my whole shirt I'm getting a little that'd warm. be a different kind of show yeah, a different show now that my mom's not here I'm going naked I'm just kidding not really you're really working on those ratings no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. let's get some likes people okay <laughs> Just anyway, so yeah, D Diana invited me here and asked me to talk about people, places, and things. But when I was starting to structure the talk, I feel like places, things, and people was a better organization for me. So that's where I started. But in kind of framing this, this quote from the writer Rebecca Wells has resonated with me for a long time, but it's about using everything in your life to create your art. So whether that's where you've lived or people you've been around or experiences you've had. So I'm thinking about places as both places I've lived and moved and traveled to. Uh, so I was born and raised in St. Louis and later on sort of more specifically Kirkwood. Uh, say, say the states. But... <laughs> we got a lot of people who aren't just who aren't from America. We got Ireland oh, represented, Norway. So, yeah. So St. Louis is uh, in Missouri, which is the smack dab middle of the country. So um, it's very Midwest, very nice people. Uh, and so not spending kind of too much there, even though I think spending the first 18 years of one's life probably impacts a lot. But I think beyond just living in that place, you know, having 
a stable home and parents who loved me and encouraged me and teachers and parents that supported the fact that I loved drawing and art and design and wanted to pursue a career, I think was hugely influential. So uh, I just sort of threw this in here since while I was talking about St. Louis, a few years ago, I was invited to participate in Type Hike, which is or was, I don't think they're still active. A group that raised money for national parks by having designers make posters about those national parks, and then the proceeds would go back and be donated to them. So the uh, arch that we just saw, that is actually a national park at the base. And so when I was making this poster, it was kind of a fun revisiting of things I loved as a child, you know, going to baseball games, watching the Cardinals, having Ted Cruz frozen custard and then Crest Emo's Pizza and people outside of St. Louis hate this pizza, but I love it. Uh, and all those kinds of things. So this was my little tribute and all those old brick, red brick buildings kind of made me think of it. And they have these stars that are where the steel rods kind of go as support beams for it. So that was a piece there. After I graduated from high school, I ended up not going too far from home, about three and a half hours away to University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana. I chose this picture because it looked cold. And that's what I think of when I think of going to Champaign-Urbana. And again, many things about that experience shaped who I am, got to work for their newspaper and kind of have those journalism roots with graphic design uh, and did work for their alternative news weekly, things like that. But mostly I was like, I'm scared of tornadoes uh, and not because of the tornadoes. I think just uh, not really knowing where I wanted to go, but thinking I might want to leave the Midwest. Uh, I checked this little box on a couple of my portfolio sites that said willing to relocate. And a company reached out to me, an architecture and design firm from Las Vegas called Marnell Correo at the time. And they were like, hey, we'll fly you to... Las Vegas for an interview. I had a seven hour interview and at the end of it, they offered me a job. So I moved there just after graduation, having never been except for my interview. I never in a million years would have thought I'd live in Las Vegas. Did you, uh, wait, real quick about that. Did, were you <laughs> hired? Cause this was architecture and design firm. Were you doing yeah. environmental design? Were you doing just regular print graphic design or what was your job role there? Yeah, well, good lead-in question, right. Diane. So uh, I did, uh, I was talking actually to a former student just the other day about how when I talk about my time there, because she's sort of struggling in that she's got a job that's nice, but it's not always exciting. And I think she's very ambitious and wants to push herself. But um, for me, I think I tend to show the cool stuff that I did, not necessarily the smaller mm. things. So this was a really large firm. So they were design build, which means they had architects, uh, interior designers, and a couple graphic designers, as well as a whole construction company. So there was a little bit more overlap in the architecture with the construction, but they were also doing the graphics at the same time as the architecture, which really speeds up the whole process. Um, and so the main project I helped with during my time there was one called the M Resort, which was a $2 billion project. And so I did all sorts of random things. So for instance, I did some textile designs for the interiors groups. So the like lobby fabric that they had, cause they couldn't find one they quite liked for it. So I came up with some designs and 
Um, I also assisted the interiors group with coming up with a brand standards manual for the overall resort. So we had a brand for the big resort and I can't take credit for coming up with the brand, but I made the book. <laughs> uh, but then each of the different like restaurants or spa or whatever area you're looking at had a sub identity. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like thinking about a family with the brand. They're all related in some ways, but you might have that quirky uncle or like very fancy cousin, uh, but they still have their identities that connect. What do you call that? Because I, I call that something that's probably wrong. I just think of that as being a brand family where you can have your sort of sub identity. But what do you call it, Diane? Call them baby brands. Because no, I, I think like of that. it as a family too. I'm like, well, this is yeah. the, the the main thing, and then everybody else. But sub brand sounds really much more professional. But I'm always like, when I like my baby students, brands. When all my students are talking. <laughs> well, that's really one of the baby brands. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to go out of school and they're going to still use this terminology that I just made up. And I'm like, I don't know if they <laughs> really use this. But anyway, keep going. Well, somebody made up all of the terms at some that's point. That's true. So. We can do baby brands. <laughs> So uh, I did a couple murals and super graphics for them as well. This was a 128 foot mural across two walls uh, in the Red Cup Cafe. They want it based on this. Any of um, this, um, like as somebody who's just recently graduated, you didn't have very much experience. Was this exciting or were you like, oh, my goodness, I am in over my head? Like even the carpet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I did didn't happen to, you know, so you kind of didn't know, like there were, for all the logos you see done, you don't see right. the ones that didn't get done. This one, it bugs me, like the way the signage company made it work. So it structurally stays on the building. You know, there's little things along those lines. Mm -hmm. I think process wise, because there wasn't a big team of graphic designers, I wish I was learning from people more. So I don't think I was approaching things or pitching mm. things the way I necessarily would. Um, the murals and things I think were really fun. Uh, and it, this one was maybe a little easier since it was based on all of these famous posters. It was a little bit less just like pull something out of thin air. Right. Um, if I was doing it today, I would be more considerate of making this a more diverse illustration than what it was. But it got torn down anyway, and it became a hash house at GoGo. So it was only up for two years, even though I think it took me like, maybe not two years to drop, but I feel wow. like it took me forever. <laughs> wow. Um, so when I was living in Las Vegas, uh, I was there during the big recession of 2008, 2009. And so Las Vegas's housing market, I think, was hit third worst in the country. So houses that worth half a million dollars were worth half of that. Uh, and my stepmom is an Antarctic and Arctic explorer was. And so she and my dad had wanted to take me on a trip to Antarctica before she retired from doing that. And so we did. Uh, so these were all pictures and videos I took during my trip with them down there. And for me, this was just such a strange contrast and, uh, like, I literally still cannot think of two places more different than Las Vegas and Antarctica. Yes. Whether that's temperature or, you know, people. Uh, but so, you know, kind of using some design reflection and made a book because I like making books and things. But my roommate at the time in Las Vegas had been let go and she'd been working at the same company as me. So mm -hmm. it was a very weird 
time just in the world, very stressful. Like every Friday, you didn't know if you were going to be let go, those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So there was a little bit of this nice moment. So Antarctica for me, but also a clear night where you see the stars or even just like the sky where you kind of feel a little smaller. Like it makes me feel small in that good way. Like, mm-hmm. oh, because I'm an anxious person, if you couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like feeling small, like it's not that my problems are insignificant, but or like they're insignificant in the best possible way, like in the scheme of things. Mm. Okay. Or like right now, like literally right now, while we're having this conversation, there's whales swimming around <laughs> Antarctica and penguins just like bopping around and like that's kind of nice to think about same thing with space space is cool but uh i was also the weirdo that decided to quit my job while everybody else was getting fired and go to graduate school so i moved from one half of the country from las vegas all the way to virginia in richmond where i went to virginia commonwealth university so i packed all of my belongings into my car did a cross-country trip Mm. Got to see a lot of beautiful things like this. Wait, I have a question. So uh, why, why, um, some people feel called to teach. What was your reason? Yeah, I think as pretty well as long as I can remember, and I know this to be true because I found a tenth grade essay I wrote. Um, I've struggled between, oh, should I be a graphic designer or should I be a teacher? Because there was a compare and contrast essay. Um, and even as an undergrad, I had doubled with art education. I got the chance to teach some first graders as well as high schoolers. But I decided if I was going to do design, I wanted to focus more on the college level because I wanted to be able to push people to that next level. And I feel like high school, at least at that time, especially was more of a like introduction to graphic design, mm-hmm. not necessarily getting to push people to the next level. So, uh, yeah. Was it important for you to work first before you taught? That was the advice almost. It was almost aggressively the advice that I think I got from people. So I don't even think I'd applied to grad school. Yeah, I don't think I applied to grad school till the year that I went. Uh, And then I did apply to a lot of places because... um, I was like, I want to do it. (laughs) But also it worked out well because by applying to a lot, I think, well, some I didn't get in. And then VCU, I had a full ride. So it's also nice to know, oh, one place might give you a full ride and somebody else might not like you. So it's a little bit of that rolling the dice. Um, Yeah. Okay. And then we might see some stuff like this. That's what you were about to say. Welcome to grad school. So, uh, Back when I was there, the graduate students had uh, spaces in this old nunnery that uh, had a really sketchy basement. Like once we found someone sleeping in it, like it was a very sketchy basement, but it had all this old stuff. Like we found this photosensitive paper and um, I did a lot of these photograms and kind of played with some other classmates and making things. I'd build something out of like toothpicks and marshmallows and let the light sensitive paper capture that and uh, just a lot of iterations I do other things like find a leaf and cut it up and be like okay I'm going to do that like a billion times or maybe make (laughs) thanks uh, like make some marks with wax or keep doing it kind of see if something interesting happened I think there was a Jasper Johns quote at the time that was a little bit my motto of 
take something and do something to it, do something else to it. And so like for this wax, I ended up turning them into posters that were promoting bands and events in Richmond at the time. And this one was for strange matter. And so I was like, Oh, literally make strange matter. But I think even more than the place of it. So yes, I was in the place of Richmond and the place of VCU, but I think it was also just time. Like Mm. I didn't have clients anymore. I didn't have a boss. I, other than like my graduate assistantship and I was not a very good office assistant. I cannot transfer a phone call apparently to save my life. Uh, but so I was filling sketchbooks in a way I had never done before. I think my first hurdle was I used to think if I do something ugly, like mm. that sketchbook was ruined and like, I kind of got over that and was like, all right, it's fine to have something ugly. And also if you have a bunch more things, then it doesn't matter if there's an ugly page in it. Uh, But I didn't really like showing them. It felt kind of naked, but Mm -hmm. I got over that by posting them on issue ISSUU Mm -hmm. where I'd scan them in and share them. And then I kind of was like, ah, but I only have 34 followers on issue. No one's really seeing them. (laughs) And so like maybe I'll mail postcards to strangers. So I started. I love this one. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Individually designing postcards and mailing them to strangers. And sometimes I'd be writing my own things. And sometimes I'd be quoting people like Bruce Mao's Incomplete Manifesto for Growth. uh, Or just from books I'd read. Other things kind of feel like beginnings of posters to me. Mm -hmm. And then I would, uh, since I scanned them all before I mailed them, I'd make little books of them and sometimes exhibit them. One thing I really like too, other than just kind of getting to play with collage or composition, uh, was spending time with words. So I think that upper middle with that little tiny mm-hmm. writing was uh, Milton Glaser's 10 Things I've Learned. Mm-hmm. And so if you read something, it kind of goes quicker. But if you're writing it out, you're sort of spending more time with those words. So it was kind of a nice meditation or reflective act as well. Brian so, White says, this is great design testing. Hands-on, you are so prolific. Aw, thank you. Okay. Uh, so, like, this is pretty much where I am today because since I've been here forever. But after grad school, I went straight to Virginia Tech. And I uh, wasn't really thinking I was going to go straight into teaching, but uh, ended up landing a one-year gig that, again, got it. kept applying for jobs and kept getting them. But I think just being at a big research institution, I ended up doing a lot of things I wasn't expecting. So like, for instance, I collaborated on a project we called the Hokey Knots, but it was actually the NASA suits competition. So uh, it's about 12 uh, institutions nationwide uh, compete on site at the Johnson Space Center to uh, come up with a augmented reality or, or virtual reality system to help astronauts navigate in space and perform space tasks. It's actually augmented reality. I misspoke. But um, so we were working on like the visual interface design for all of those things with graphic designers and engineers and computer scientists and working with people from NASA to kind of test out our prototypes and uh, other things. I think before we were on, we were talking some about the cube at Virginia Tech, which is Mm. just this, five-story black box theater that has, I believe, 140 speakers, which allow for locational audio. So you could do something like make it sound like there's a bird flying around the room because it'll just transfer across the different speakers. Uh, And in 
This particular project is Shakespeare's Garden that we originally launched in 2018 in the cube at Virginia Tech. So my role was to make the motion graphics for these Shakespearean sonnets that were projected um, and then worked with School of Performing Arts students who recorded the Shakespearean sonnets, soliloquies and scenes, as well as a sound designer who created sort of the gardenscape throughout. And we just relaunched this project um, at the Torpedo Factory uh, last week. And no so, that, yeah, so that was cool to see it again. And I kind of snazzied up the graphics. I didn't put them all in here because I ran out of time. But because uh, <laughs> so you're working, they, <laughs> but they had, I would say, kind of more color, synced up some of the audio, uh, those kinds of things. And it's funny as a designer seeing how quickly um, your skills change. You know, I think that was essentially uh, five years ago that we did that. And I was like, oh, I could do better. <laughs> I don't have much time on this. But another project that we'd done specifically for the Cube at Virginia Tech was one called Pose Shadows. And so, again, it was kind of a response to that space and having access to the space. Uh, so on the top, you see this thing that they call the cyclorama but it's just a 360 degree curved scrim that you can project on. So it's a really nice immersive space. Uh, and what we decided to do was reference this old form of storytelling called a cranky. So Edgar mm -hmm. Allan Poe, which you may or may not know, grew up in Virginia before moving elsewhere. And so an old Alapo, Appalachian form of storytelling is to use a cranky and to unwind an image as you sing or tell a story. And we're like, how cool would it be if we did that bit on a really big scale, like you're inside of it? So I drew out the entirety of the Telltale Heart and these big Japanese-style sketchbooks. And you were talking about, should you do it by hand or on the computer? Well, the annoying part about doing it in this sketchbook is I had to Photoshop every one of those darn creases. Folds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it was before uh, the AI uh, would fix it for right, you or the, you know yeah that's true i'm also a little like too ocd so i don't even i mean the ai does better than they used to but yeah but not it's still it's not it. right i'm with you i'm with you, you. See, you got it. but you know but yes it, it it would be easier now uh and so it kind of came together and that so how long would a project and... like that take you that one I was felt like I was just drawing constantly for a few months. Uh, I didn't have a kid, so that sure helped. <laughs> uh, but you were so working we, full time and you had some client work and you're. Yeah. So we did the Shakespeare project in March um, of, I think, 2018. The uh, president of our university went to go see it and he was like, oh, this is cool. You should do one with Edgar Allan Poe. And we're like, okay <laughs> when the president of your university but i think he probably just said it like off the cuff uh because he's just a human that has to talk to like ten thousand humans a day mm -hmm. uh and so anyways we launched this in halloween of the that same year so i think it was really more like three months of kind of illustrating and there were pretty simple animations we did do a relaunch of that but we've also been extending it so a couple of these projects i feel like we've been trying to get as much bang for a buck as you can yeah um and one thing i think about now is oh if i were to approach a project would i think about all these components of things that we've extended 
like, oh my gosh, how much easier if I knew we were going to make an augmented reality book of this when we started. So this was some of the prototype testing. There's an Aries lab at Virginia Tech. And so working with experts in computer science and uh, immersive environments and creative technologies. And then we kind of brought it together um, to make this augmented reality book. And uh, one of my former students, Ethan Candelario, helped uh, animate all of those components. So I had done some animations, but he definitely leveled everything up. Wow. And so uh, this one's been fun because we get to work with middle schoolers and all sorts of things on uh, doing demonstrations. I guess other places and places that I think I've gone even just from where I am. Uh, we used to do a study abroad every other year. We hadn't done it since before the pandemic, but I'm doing one with another faculty this summer. So we go to Italy and Switzerland. And wow. the main image here is from a place called Tipoteca, which is uh, one of the world's best letterpress facilities. And in the lower right corner, you see Lucio Passerini, who's a master printer from Milan, who comes down and does a workshop with us. And it's just amazing and kind of getting to see that history. How uh, long are you in? I, how long are you, when you go to study abroad in the past, how long has it been? Uh, it used to be longer. So this year's the shortest. And this year we didn't have many students. So we only have 12 going this year. So I'm not going the full time, partly because I have a little bit of it. Well, mm -hmm. she's not all that little. She's like speedy toddler at this point in time, but a 19 month old at home. And so I'm just going for the first week and a half, helping the other faculty get her feet wet because this is her first study abroad. And then we also have a campus in Riva San Vitale, Switzerland. And so once she's over in Switzerland, it's a little less like you're not on your own because you kind of have, have some supports there. But before when yeah. you would go, so was like it like three or four? Yeah, three or four weeks. Yeah, not okay. a long. Mm -hmm. That's great. Oh, um, you're like, don't avoid my questions, Megan. <laughs> well, then you also you you went on. Um, there were other study abroads, or it was just you were you were traveling because you love to travel. And yeah, and I think well, being in a tenure track position too. Like I'm a, a research one university, which essentially means twenty percent of my job's supposed to be service, forty percent supposed to be teaching, and forty percent supposed to be research even though they're like the research part's the part that's most important. And so, uh, you know, as a part of that, you might be doing national and international conferences. So I got a chance to go to India for a typography conference one time. And I love seeing these uh, sort of rice powder drawings and all these neighborhoods I was seeing. Um, another, and I've been to other places too, but one thing that I felt was pretty impactful more recently, I guess this was two years ago, I spent, uh, two weeks at a winter residency called Penland. Mm -hmm. And that's only about three hours for me. There's lots of cool residencies and I can find links to that if people need. But it was nice to just surround yourself by these other artists, kind of being inspired by all their work. And this was still like not heavy COVID time, but kind of COVID time. So everyone's still in masks and um, I was 14 weeks pregnant, so I was still being kind of paranoid. And uh, so they had fewer people in the residency and it was a little more spaced out, but I was in the letterpress studio. So I had a full Vandercook letterpress all to myself for the full two weeks, which was a real luxury. And I would honestly spend 12 hours a day printing and it was just delightful. So 
Mm. Uh, I was there during Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so thinking about the times always right to do what is mm-hmm. right. Uh, or uh, the bell hooks quote of there is light and darkness, you just have to find it. Also, just having some fun. And uh, this was a piece, my, one of my husband's favorite muse songs is called Starlight. Uh, and this is now hanging in our daughter's nursery, but, you know, kind of ends with, I just want to hold you in my arms. So I thought that was a nice yeah. piece to create for her. Uh, and then playing just with styles. I mean, I believe love is love and you shouldn't be judged for who you love or how you love, but uh, also, I wanted to play with gradient rainbows, <laughs> so I did. So I printed what the love is on one side, kind of flipped it with different colors and reprinted it on the other. Or I'd been thinking a lot about something my friend Gabby Hernandez says a lot. She's like, I didn't invent it, Megan. Stop referencing me. But uh, she so- talks about practicing rest as a form of resistance. Mm. And uh, I was like, oh, that's nice. Kind of push against this capitalist culture. But the thing about that, I mean, Penland's beautiful and nice and isolated. And there was a literal 12 inches of snow we got while we were there. So very like snowed in. But again, that time. Uh, Mm. But when I was thinking about places, and maybe it's because we're still sort of just out of COVID, I was thinking about virtual spaces too. So I was really active with the AIGA Design Educators Community. I served on their board for six years, two of which I was chair. And... uh, yeah, they just do incredible things. They're really supportive for any design educator. And another virtual community I've been a big part of is the Letterform Archive out of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I served as a docent and I'm a docent emeriti for them. So giving tours of their collection. So they're a physical archive with over 75,000 items. But if you go online, they've got over 3,000 items now, I think, at this point in time and it's really well documented and they also do a great job of collecting process so this is a couple pieces that uh a piece by martin vineski along with the process work and my colleague chris pritchett actually printed this so that was part of why i was like "Ooh, i'll put this one in there cool uh i love amos kimmy another Mm -hmm. printer he's in alabama oh yeah so um yeah talking about voting rights and like what it means Mm -hmm. if you're printing on different things and could have given a whole presentation just on inspiring things from the letter form archive, which I did get to see in person as well. But uh, that brings us to things. So thinking about technology and events and stuff. So uh, you talked about me playing with different technology. So when I was at that residency, I had access to a Rezo printer. I was just taking Had you old ever heard of Rezo printing before? I'd heard of it, but I'd never had the chance to play with it before. Mm-hmm. So if I were to describe it, I would say that it's like a photocopier that does screen printing for you. Um, but, uh, you know, these bright colors and I think sometimes restrictions end up taking people to fun places. I really like the Riso printing and that was a new thing. I haven't played with one, but I would love to. So, uh, but yeah, AR and set so playing with different materials. So this was mm. very early, very rough sort of playing with AR and what it could do and just sort of separating layers, thinking about Z-axis and uh, just did this for a client. So although they just cared about the beer label, but I was like, I'm going to make a fun little AR piece to go with it. And then I think another thing that can be helpful is having clients that let you do funny things. So I do a bunch of beer labels for a local brewery. So like, I don't know. I can't remember. I think they might have said maybe something far side like, but then I had a bunch of bears drinking beer and they didn't really seem 
to mind it or like a skull with bees crawling out of its eyes or this one they were very uh specific about the kind of space demon that they wanted for it so that was a lot of iterations or doing some custom lettering but i think having fun clients is helpful and wide variety i mean like those well maybe it's one client but boy oh boy are you doing a wide variety of illustrations and things yeah the first thing we did was come up with the system so that sort of vertical stripe which i think really does help it Mm -hmm. even though it's inconsistent and have some consistency and i did have a style although i don't think i included them here of a more like travel poster vibe but Mm. we kind of quickly took on more of the random (laughs) i guess might be fine to say i love it uh and thanks so just, I think whether it's stuff that's around you or whether that's technology, playing with processing to fracture type, or this one was using um, the visualization of um, whale songs. So there was mm. a Cymoscope had this um, app where you could sonify or sort of create the visualizations from sounds. And so I took whale recordings uh, from this nonprofit Oceans Initiative and put them back into it. But then there's also things. So thinking about the pandemic as a thing. So maybe that's a weird thing to say inspired you. But right at the start of the pandemic, I was really prolifically making. I think, you know, it was maybe a way of processing for me too. And you know, it's okay to not be okay. And playing with some stencil lettering, but also, you know, sort of pen sketching and the connections, but also sort of the disease and opportunities during the pandemic were more like here's your stuff in a virtual gallery or mm-hmm. um i neil gaiman has this really beautiful piece he wrote called a message of hope and it resonated heavily with me both for the pandemic and thinking about george floyd and lungs and breathing and um not having breath and feeling grateful for my breath and being outside and taking slow breaths uh, so I took those words and kind of made them into these typographic lungs and then mm. they were part of a Hope Ball project in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so that we pasted on a wall. Uh, and during this time, I also made my first visual essay so where you're both writing and designing for it. And I submitted this to Dialectic, which is a design journal. And this to me was really just a way of processing. So I made it, I think in the two weeks that followed, getting my first vaccine shot. So I thought I was going to get my vaccine shot and then be like, yay, it's done. Also, I didn't know it was going to take a minute (laughs) after that. So don't tell Megan from the past that that wasn't it anyways. (laughs) But I think it it was like, oh, the end is here. Now I can kind of start processing it. So um, across the eight spread or pages, what I had done was that torn line on the bottom actually follows the New York Times case ticker uh kind of going up and down i I break it some because it's not a you know exact replication but like thinking about the covid blob thing and Mm -hmm. but it's also all these things happening so it's not just the pandemic it's the context of the black lives matter movement uh and 46 million acres in australia being burned and like using sort of funny elements even sometimes like i use tissue or toilet paper in my collage because toilet paper was such a big thing and um uh, well, and I, my Aunt Mary, who's one of the guests, hi, Aunt Mary, like May 25th being the day George Floyd was murdered, but that was also my anniversary. So, you know, all these kinds of mm. layering of the personal and what's happening in the world and how, the, you know, dates can shift different meanings. 
again, kind of seeing the ticker up down of what's mm. happening and how correspondencies are changing over time. And um, I hated Zoom teaching. I mean, I was glad I could kind of connect with people in these ways, but it just felt exhausting. And mm. my students were having a really hard time. And uh, I missed being able to be together in person. And I don't mind doing stuff on Zoom sometimes. Like, this is great. This, but <laughs> we chose this. We were not forced into this. Right. Uh, but kind of ending on a sort of hopeful note, you know, thinking about, you know, missing seeing family or mm. holding hands with a friend or going to dinner and sharing a meal, those sorts of things. And on my drive home from getting my vaccine, because I drove like two hours <laughs> to go get it. I saw a rainbow and don't do that. But uh, <laughs> so I most recently made this what I would call kind of an uglier <laughs> visual essay as a way of processing AI for myself. So I mm. wanted to use a lot of the tools. So I don't know if you've played around with Firefly with Adobe at all, but this is kind of what it looks like when you're making AI type. And so I was like, oh, no, we're going to get all this hideous typography. <laughs> and actually, I've never seen my students <laughs> using it. Like, maybe they should use it more. But I'm kind of like, well, it's okay, because it's kind of limited. Um, and then this spread, I was thinking a lot about uh, mm. the bias within um, AI as well. Mm. And so I was doing some testing. And so I, being a graphic designer, I would put in things like, graphic designer four out of four were men and but then it, and they were white men and so i would type in female graphic designer and then like three out of four would be white women i, I ended up using some of those images because well i am a white woman so it makes sense as a self-reflective piece but i just thought kind of even witnessing some of those biases it reminded me of google and the algorithms where if you type graphic designer you're just going to get a list of old white guys and not see a more inclusive lens uh, and then for this spread, I felt like early AI I kept like accidentally generating a bunch of stuff that looked like this. And then now I think it's <laughs> doing more diversity because like, I'm throwing one of those crazy people in there and playing around with using chat GPT to write code for me. So having it write fractals and processing and, uh, and again, kind of a lighter note. Uh, I saw this meme one time that to replace graphic designers. Uh, oh, no, the Zoom things above it. Diane, do you want to read it? Can you see it? Yeah, Is your face I can, over it too? No, I can read it. It says, to replace graphic designers with AI, clients will need to accurately describe what they want. Dot, dot, dot. We're safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like it's not all doom and gloom around AI. I think we can have some fun. But I am thinking about this misinformation, disinformation stuff. And I was even thinking about it kind of before. This wonderful woman, Ann Berry, and uh, her friend Sarah have started this project ongoing matter which is about design democracy and the Mueller report so they invited a bunch of designers to create posters using content from the Mueller report in an effort to get people to pay attention to the Mueller report so for the part that i chose for it i really liked this quote no person in this country is so high that he's above the law kind of crossing it out to mimic the uh, blacking out of text within the report itself but also mm people kind of are above the law or like it's being treated as such, but also contrasting the old and the new. So I physically made this as a collage by hand, but then was also playing around with AR and separating these elements out. Cool. Uh, I, I wanted to go back and forth throughout this presentation too, on like the close-up uh, inspiration, like overall this person inspired me and like the detail stuff. So 
like for this vote poster, I was looking at Sanborn illustration mm. or Sanborn insurance maps and trying to be like old Americana or for this vote poster, I do try to do one every other year, but uh, it was the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote or at least white women's right to vote. And I had this quote, to not speak is to speak, to not act is to act. And I think to not vote is to vote, but I was uh, very much referencing Alphonse Mucha and Paul Perton in my illustration, or the wordle inspired me for a different one, or women losing to the right to choose. I was a very angry pregnant woman. So while I was pregnant with my daughter about a month away from giving birth, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I was just thinking about how I couldn't imagine being forced to be pregnant again, especially if you were made pregnant against your will, uh, or other things happening in the world, thinking about the murder of Masa Amini, um, and the women life freedom movement that's been rising up a lot in Iran and like uh, standing in solidarity uh, with those women. So my friend Elham, I was reaching out to say, hey, is there anything I can do? Because she's from Iran and it's having a really hard time. And she's like, make a poster about it, get people outside of Iran talking about it, continue to have them talking about it and putting pressure on. So I took my hair and had created all the letter forms for this. I was also invited last year to create a poster for the Tolerance Exhibition, which is all around the world, a traveling post, uh, poster show about tolerance. Um, and I was really struggling some because I'm like, what are we tolerating? Are we tolerating bad ideas or good ideas? But so I was thinking about uh, tolerance and acceptance more so of all identities and all gender identities. So the rainbow being for pride, but also if you look closer, um, all those little circles have different gender symbols as well as, you know, the kind of paired circles are different gender orientations and uterus and other symbols kind of being present, but it kind of just looks pretty from a distance. <laughs> and thinking about the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and um, a project I've worked on for years was with Ann Barry and Penina um, Laker and Kelly Walters and Rebecca Techmeyer, this value design education pledge with the design educators community where people committed to being anti-racist, upholding all design histories, distributing knowledge and impact, creating culture and supporting student experiences, which segues nicely into people. So these are those wonderful, strong women and they're all authors in their own right. Um, well, I guess they're above their books, but they're very inspiring to me and also very supportive. Um, my mom was my client for her wedding. <laughs> so. Uh, she was a good client. She kind of let me do whatever I wanted. So I got to design um, her wedding invitation as well as Farolitos um, or Luminarias. So she's from New Mexico and married a man who's in New Mexico. And so this was all around their wedding. And other designers that just kind of influenced me, this book, Designing Design with Kenya Hara, thinking about the mind being everywhere in the body. So um, it's easy. I think in Western thoughts more like, oh, this is my mind, this is my heart, and this is my body. But to know, oh, maybe I'm not doing well because I didn't sleep or eat or treat myself well. The book also just has beautiful things like a redesign section. So toilet paper, well, I always think of Seinfeld like toilet paper hasn't been reinvented, but they did <laughs> reinvent toilet paper for this thinking about if you feel the toilet paper turn, you're thinking about consumption and you can stack yeah. it if it's not circles or the banana where you see it and feel it and touch it. Um, and Alan Fletcher talks about like design being a way of life, but he, more so influenced because of just play. And so the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but drawn differently. <laughs> yeah. It's no longer the. Love that. <laughs>
uh, or like Derek Ham is a professor at NC State, but doing a lot in VR and um, recreated Martin Luther King Jr.'s last day. And so that worker strike and putting mm. someone in that immersive experience like also changes if you look down and you have the hands of a black man or currently working on Barnstormers um, about the Negro Baseball League and trying to make sure more funding goes back to the families. These two women, Erin Sharon and Robin Landa, run Design Incubation, another amazing community. They made it so I could actually write a book. (laughs) They deconstructed the process and they could not be more supportive and giving. It brings me to this amazing woman, Jessica Meharry. So we wrote a book together, working with design clients, tools and advice for successful partnership, which is coming out in October. But uh, we have a pre-link. You can, I have it right here. And our publisher said, uh, that so right now you can just get the ebook the real book will be available there later but they're not there yet but if you want the ebook it is ready so um yeah she was a great partner to have through this she's got expertise and i think um me having the experience of running a studio with her experience of well she has a phd and incredibly knowledgeable also really helped me with the writing process and we balanced each other in a wonderful way and i'm did so did you meet her, for her for this or had you met her prior yeah, I met her at a conference and I think she was presenting on student-run design studios or I was and we chatted once and she applied for a grant and got funding. And when she was uh, doing it, I was like, oh, we should talk. And we did. <laughs> and six years later, I know, I think it was a long time <laughs> it happened. But uh, yeah, she wrote in the chat, she said, did Megan design a gorgeous cover and the whole book? So you not only <laughs> wrote, but you also designed the whole thing. Co-wrote, but yeah, well, Co- we had interviews I'm, with. But about. you designed the whole. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, two hundred and twenty pages. Wow! Um, Thank you, Jessica, but, for sharing that. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jessica. See, she's great. Uh, I love the Lucy copyright. <laughs> yeah, great. I love hers. So, like, she really inspired me by uh, like mm. her copyright pages, and so. I've only made a couple books, but I was like, I'm going to make fun copyright pages. So when I did a book on Sherwood Anderson, his like, it's sort of dark because I guess he drank too many martinis and then ate a meatball that had a toothpick in it and died several days later. So like it's a little dark, but like, and then ours is just like a book because I was like, we made a book. Here's a book. But um, Jessica Hish, I think has always been a person who doesn't hide being a mom and a designer. And I think, he, you know, maybe in some ways, and I saw her years ago, I was like, it's kind of weird even how much it's on the forefront now on the other side. I'm like, I'm really glad there for that visibility. Dennis Akiyama is just an incredible person. I met at CCAC. You might have met him before, mm-hmm. but he donated this huge collection to the Letterform Archive. I said thanks to him for doing that. And then he ended up donating an insanely large Swiss poster collection to Virginia Tech. As such, we now have one of the largest Swiss poster collections in the world. His friend Oscar wow. Fernandez donated more. So Dennis is amazing. Oh, and Diane. No, but really, like, you have been lifting people up, like, for as long as I know you. Like, you are a true cheerleader and supporter. And, like, I always end up being like, oh, things are okay. Diane said so. <laughs> but in the last, like, almost done, but, like, this kind of quote from Adrian Sonnesi's How to Be a Graphic Designer Without Leading Your Soul. Mm-hmm. But that idea that um, if you once read that if you, uh, safe crackers are the tips of their fingers with sandpaper, 
to increase tactile sensitivity. It makes their fingertips ultra sensitive and enables them to feel the nuances of the locks gear mechanisms as they rotate the dial in search of that magic combination. Uh, it's the same with graphic design. The more sensitive you are to the world around you, the better mm. you will function. And the last thing, so video of daughter waving bye-bye because you said people. So it's like our daughter, Finial. Um, so this is little, some spreads from the board book I finished yesterday oh, that I just ordered awesome. for her. So, thank you. And I will stop sharing. Okay. So we saw lots. This was awesome. <laughs> lots of people in the chat loving everything. So cool. absolutely um, eye candy, eye candy, eye candy. I hope you guys uh, have enjoyed. So a couple quick questions. Um, how, as you're doing, you said this a little bit earlier, you're like, hey, when I redid the Poe thing or redid the Shakespeare thing, you're like, oh, I could do so much more. And that was just five years ago. But because you're yeah. working and listening and reading and connecting with people, um, constantly i don't know how you sleep i don't you've done so much <laughs> i've work. honestly this week have not slept all that much but that's because daughter was sick not because of <laughs> oh. but you do <laughs> Sorry, seem but... to have like a a way to be productive and um process your thoughts but also make meaningful connections but as you're looking mm. back you said this like can you see your work evolving or is doing mm. a, an exercise like this where you're having to put your work out in a like a timeline of Megan, it, does that yeah. help you to see the evolution? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I think um, obviously society has also changed, you know, so there's things that like I, I in addition to hopefully becoming a better, more skilled designer and getting better at technology and learning new technologies um, society also brings to light different issues or things that I might not have been thinking about or ideas I wasn't necessarily raised around. And so, uh, I think the social impact or thinking about social good and Patrick, who at least I think Patrick's still here, like he started, uh, design up at Virginia Tech two years ago, uh, which is a design marathon for local nonprofits where we partner design professionals mm. with teams of students and do kind of a community give back. And now I'm doing it because Patrick left to move closer to family. But uh, so things like that, where uh, yes, there's the aesthetic kind of play and development, but there's also the like, how can you be making an impact or when you're talking to students or even thinking about your own engagements? Am I working? Uh, like you don't want to come in with the design savior mentality. You want to do a designing mm. with not for, and so making sure that uh, communities and clients and stakeholders all sort of are part of the process as well. So, um, but yeah, well, I think specifically with the Shakespeare project we just had after effects, I think also got better. Although somebody said it hasn't changed that much. You just got used to it. So uh, I don't know which it is. Like maybe it's a little bit of A and a little bit of B. I was like, it's so much easier now. And I, but I think that's just how things go to. Well, and the more you do, the more you practice, the easier things get. Um, right. Absolutely. But when you're, when you're, I mean, like, our, I feel like you must never watch TV. You must just always be doing these really um, important things. And I think that you do. I mean, you laugh. You have some. <laughs> you are silly. And I think that maybe it's that you 
don't take yourself too seriously, but you also take the people around you and the world around you and you see, hey, it maybe it's just me. And instead of just assuming that you can't do anything to help your friend that you say, you still just reach out and say, what could I do? Instead of thinking that maybe it's just, I'm just little old me, I can't do anything. Do you think... I totally watched lots of TV. <laughs> but not like lots. And I would say like, since having a baby, I'm like, oh, I haven't watched my shows like, in a really long time. So, but yeah, we still, you know, watch TV like normal humans. And uh, I feel like it's kind of nice to hear you. See, again, good cheerleader, Diane. Uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks, just you know, searches at school or having sick baby and having her home two days from daycare over the past week while also installing an exhibit. It's just, uh, it's felt like the balance got out of whack. And frankly, I think the thing I've sacrificed more lately is my time at the gym, which I should maybe like, but then I think other times I'm very fit, but less productive. So I think sometimes there's, uh, like how you find that balance. And I think that's the thing I'm always driving but i do well i like laughing but i think there's also uh yes designed to try to tackle the really big things but there's also just those nice little moments of joy and beauty and connection or like haha look at this beer can isn't it fun and so uh it, it doesn't i i think i try to have a little bit of that balance between very serious heavy things that we should be spending time with but it doesn't just because you care about serious things doesn't mean uh, you don't also want to enjoy the world. And I think it's because I am grateful for so much and enjoy the world that I care about. That yeah. Reason. And I think that's a great way of looking at balancing some of those heavier things with some of those others. So one other thing that wasn't on the list of questions, um, but I made a very short list, um, but the last one's coming up. Number five, we're going to get to it. But how do you continue to learn or where do you go? Because I think about things that I'm always investing in and money and time into my education. And as you've done a ton with technology, how like how much time do you invest in? Where do you go to find things, new things that you want to learn? Yeah, I think sometimes I'll have a project and then it prompts me. Like when we did Shakespeare's Garden, that was my, I'm going to learn how to do After Effects kind of thing. And I think uh, LinkedIn learning uh, is pretty helpful. I've done some Skillshare, I think, for uh, getting some tips for Procreate, things like that. For the AI stuff, I've been really tinkering. I was like, I just want to see what these things are capable of, partly so as a teacher, I'm able to understand and also make sure our students are prepared in the workforce. Um and it's hard because I always feel a little behind on things. And I think being in a smallish design program, uh, I teach in so many different areas that I'm like, oh, no, I kind of need to know web. And right now I feel rusty at web, but I feel better at motion. I feel like I'm doing okay with AI. So uh, it might also depend on what I'm teaching. And I think anyone who teaches can tell you that um, if you have to teach someone else, it's one of the best ways of learning because you have to know it really darn well. Uh, but also that vulnerability, I think, both in the classroom and in my own work, I think I used to think I have to be an expert to teach this. And sometimes I'll be like, I don't know everything. Here's some basics. Oh, I don't know that answer. Here's how I would find that answer, which is also kind of a helpful skill because 
I'm not going to be standing over my student shoulder after they graduate anyway. Right. Or, or hopefully not. Cause that'd be weird. Yeah. If I mean, were under your feet, yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. So last question. And then I'm going to share all the ways that people can, uh, get your book again or get to know you and follow you in other ways. So um, this is kind of like stealing from, I don't know, some morning show that I can't remember, but I think their colors are orange. So I'm not good with morning shows. I don't watch that. <laughs> um, but if you could tell someone how much their life and work has inspired you, these people could be dead or alive. Who would that be? And what, what would you tell them or ask them about? So I totally am cheating, Diane, because Diane asked me this question ahead of time. And I was like, that's your hard one. But uh, the first person that popped in my mind was actually Alan Fletcher, who I didn't originally even have in the presentation. But uh, and the reason it came to mind was, I believe he died in 2006, something like that. I discovered his work in grad school. I think The Art of Looking Sideways was one of the mm. books we were supposed to get for a class. And I loved him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just missed his lifetime mm. by three years. And because of that experience, I think I started even reaching out to people that had influenced me. So I think I wrote David Sedaris a letter with a whole bunch of messed up four leaf clovers for a longer story, but uh, he wrote back. And, uh, you know, I think Alan Lightman had written Einstein's dreams and I loved it. And he wrote back mm -hmm. too. And um, so I try to say thank you to people I know in my life too. I think another person that kind of just popped in was, uh, David Hisaya Asari, who I knew through the AIJ Design Educators. He's an educator out in California. He's just always doing super nice things for me. In a, uh, and I feel like the way I feel right now is an overwhelmed mom who's trying to keep up with mm. school, being a good mom, research things, wanting to keep enough things going that when she's older and a teenager and hates me that I still have cool things to be doing. Um, so like that balance, I think is really hard, but he's been consistently making kind efforts and he's not the only one, but like this week, my colleague James will also like, it was, I just had a bad week. Well, then he went to the ER, she's fine, but it was croup and croup is scary. Uh, hmm. Like just gave me a $50 Grubhub card. So colleague James, thank you. Like you said, go buy designers a coffee. And I was like, oh, James got me a grub up car. So it just, uh, I really appreciate those things. And the hard part for me right now is along with my gym membership, well, I'm still paying the gym membership. We're just not going to the gym. Uh, I, I feel like the time to connect, like I like writing letters. Mm -hmm. I like sending old friends mm -hmm. thing, going on walk and calling people. And uh, some of that space isn't there for me. So uh, I didn't totally answer your question, but also if I could just talk to people, I think like Kenyahara and Jessica Hish would be pretty cool. <laughs> Those are good. Those are, I think, I think the whole thing was awesome. And I love that you have taken that like, writing David Sedaris. And I'm so, I love him. I think he's hilarious. I mean, one of the most hilarious people I've ever read. Yeah, he's super hilarious. Uh, yeah. He will totally write you back too. Well, yeah, I think gonna, he said he tries to write everybody back. But yeah. I think that that's like, that's like <laughs> you and you, you just take the time. And I do, this is why I love, this is when I was thinking about doing this inspiration with um, Love on Designers during February. I wanted you to kick it off because you are so good at letting people know or just reaching out. And even if it's like, they're just totally random, but you know, everybody has bad days and you're like, maybe this will make them feel good. You know, like, I think 
we should do more rando things like that. And this is just one of yeah. the reasons that I love you. But just to remind everybody, Love on Designers is the whole month. And I'm giving art supplies. So you'll get some art supplies. Yeah. If you enter, the way to enter is go to YouTube, any YouTube video. I have answered all the other comments on all the other videos. So if you leave a comment, I'll enter you and I'll put it on a piece of paper and then we'll physically do a drawing um, at the end of the month and five people will win. So I'm excited that you get, and I send it no matter what I've sent it all the way across the world, the whoever, if you win. Um, so just cause you're outside of the United States doesn't mean you can't win cause you can. Um, but this week is for you to buy somebody a cup of coffee, a grub hub, take them to lunch, <laughs> bring them something in. Maybe it's a flower, set it on their desk. If you have a friend who you are, you work alone, like Brian White, and maybe you have somebody else, then maybe send Brian a the cup of coffee thing, buy me a cup of coffee or do something else that doesn't have to be somebody that you're physically right next to. But I think that it's even just a, a note or, a, and those are things else we'll do later in the, the month. We just focus on that. Next week is recharge. So it's a time for you to do something for yourself. I'll be at my dad. Mm -hmm. So I will be doing a recorded and we won't have a live show next week. That's the changed it usually recharges week three, but we're doing it the second week this time. So you get a week off from, and maybe during this hour, you specifically go and you do something for yourself. Take a walk alone or get a massage. I thought you were going to tell me or... to go to the gym. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Quick. I mean, unless you want to go to the gym, I think that's great. But this is the month where you are supposed to love on people. And just those not they deserve it or not deserve it. You're just loving. So that's that's love your that. your. Uh, charge for the week or for the month. But here's how you can get in touch with Megan. Let me pull up the thing so that I can hit return because I already had it pasted in. So if you want to check out Megan's work, Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N-D, like her last name is D-E-E, -E, but it's just a D. And then, oh, people are um, typing and then it, the chat goes up. So Instagram, you can look at Look, find her at Megan. She spells her name M-E-A and then G-H-A-N-D-E-E. -E. And then on LinkedIn as well, same thing. And then you can email her and I'm not going to read out your email, but it's in the things right underneath. It's at the top. And then the new book is Bloomsbury. It's working with design clients, co-wrote and Jessica is here also. So I just appreciate everybody coming. And uh, Megan, just thank you so much for being kicking this off and for being such a good example of what we need to do and how we need to how we need to be. And thank you for always inspiring me to be better and more exploratory and quirky. And so I just really appreciate you and I love you. So I appreciate you too. Yeah, you too. Super glad that you were kicking it off and I will see you guys you. all next. Nope. Not next week. So you're recharging next week. Um, I'll see you in two weeks. And in two weeks, uh, we have Damien Williams, another person who does a ton of stuff, especially all in February. Um, so he does the ABCs of February. He's talking to us about his inspiration, though. So um, 
we'll see what he, I was like, I know it's really busy and I'm going to do two, two months of this inspiration. So the next month I think is going to be in September. And I'm pretty stoked about this being something that's regular. And I love that people get to kind of tell their story, but also who is inspiring them and how it shows up in their work. So thank you guys for all coming and I will see you in two weeks. Bye.